welcome, welcome, welcome to Bard's Backlog, episode number 18. I am your host, Josh Gallegos, joined this week, as always, by the casual Jared Benson. Jared, say hello. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is well. I hope that you are as well. Jared, I cannot stress how important it is that you have that casual perspective coming into this podcast. I thoroughly appreciate that particular viewpoint. Just wanted to let you know. Thank you very much. And to to be honest, the feeling is incredibly mutual. Like we're going to talk about some games. And I think today, actually, it's so funny that you say that. Today is going to be uh, uh, the games we play in segment. I am anticipating it. And the main feature of today's podcast episode, I'm going to really appreciate your background in games to give me perspective. Because as the casual, you know, like the the lack that I have on my end is not a huge library of games that I can refer to. You know what I mean? So I really appreciate you being on the flip side of that. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. Like, I love the dynamic because you're going in cold turkey to these experiences you've never had before. And yes. you're not like the biggest gamer in the world. Although my goal is to make you a diehard gamer like me. <laughs> um, still working on it slowly, but My surely. girlfriend but, already complains how much I play games, so you're winning. You're winning does the war. She? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll take that. I'll take that as a win in the battle. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I super appreciate that. I, I am looking forward to this podcast for sure. I, honestly, this, is, this particular game that we're talking about is kind of a unique experience for me as well. I'm not sure how much I can draw on past experience to compare. Uh, so we'll see how that conversation goes. But yeah, I just I just love the dynamic between the two of us. Like just, I mean, speaking about Fire Emblem last, last time, it was, it was a ton of fun talking to someone who was experiencing this for the first time. Isn't involved in all of the drama and all of the discourse that's going on in the actual industry you know because because you can be very influenced and i feel like i am unfortunately heavily influenced sometimes by just the podcasts i listen to because i listen to video game podcasts to the people i follow on twitter so on and so forth and i feel like sometimes i tend to pair uh, conversations pair opinions and i try to stay away from that but having you as just this fresh perspective, like hot off the presses, I absolutely love it. And I, I appreciate you. Completely unedited and unscripted, you can tell, <laughs> but authentic it is, yes. The, the whole <laughs> Fire Emblem, I would love, uh, I don't know how much feedback we got for that episode. I know there was you know a friend or two that texted you and said, oh, I can't wait to see what you guys say. But uh, I am curious as to because the issue with the Fire Emblem thing is that I had no history with that game. So to right. me, it looked so chaotic. To you, it was like, no, no, no. Here's why they do what they do. So that was a sure. unique episode, but it was a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, in any case, this is Bard's backlog, the ever-growing catalog of video games inducted into the Hall of Games. We are the gatekeepers and subsequent executioners of any video game candidates, including today's if you would like to be a part of the conversation write in our email is askvgb at gmail.com that moniker refers to video game bard askvgb at gmail.com write us in with questions comments concerns corrections or perhaps any ideas as far as segments are concerned as well 
You can support the podcast by giving our social media posts a like, following us there on your podcast service of choice, and by dropping a review for us on Apple Podcasts. We accept all honest reviews as long as they are five stars. In the meantime, check out the Red Pixel Podcast. That's our news-focused podcast. This one is more of a deep dive into a specific video game, whereas in Red Pixel, we tried to week by week break down the major news topics in the industry at large. Check that out. Do that with my wife. Ton of fun. Love that one. Interesting dynamic that is very distinct from Jared and I's. Uh, Distinct from Jared and my dynamic. I'm trying to think of the correct grammar there Uh, who cares doesn't matter last time we talked about fire emblem three houses we've already alluded to that please go check that episode out a ton of fun loved every second and i hope that we are able to capture that level of spice again in the near future i don't know if it's going to be this episode but that is my goal that's like the the level that i seek to achieve from here on out is that Fire Emblem episode. I don't know if you felt the same way, but I loved it. With that said, Jared, um, I don't have an intro question for you today, so let's just jump into our first segment here. Unless there's something that you want to throw out that maybe I'm lo- overlooking. No, man. It's uh, it's all good. I think, uh, I don't know, just last last week's episode was, was spicy for sure. I... It's interesting the 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 disagreements that uh, maybe not even disagreements. I this game. Well, we'll just see. We'll just see. I think there's going to be some direct comparisons to last week, so maybe we'll get that spice today. I don't know, but yeah, you're you're not wrong. That was a that was a good episode. I would be surprised if there's not because they are in the same genre. Yeah. So we will see how that works out. Let's go ahead and jump into the games we play in. Jared, kick us off. Yes, sir. So I don't know if you guys have been bombarded with ads like I have for this game here, League of Legends, Wild Rift, uh, Google Play. Google's been pushing that uh, for a while, and it's League on your phone. I was playing it this afternoon. It's it's smooth. It's it's actually, you know, I, I really probably shouldn't talk too much about it because it's, it's actually my first introduction to League, as in playing it myself. Obviously, I'm aware of the community and it, you know, writ large, is massive, but uh, it's fun for sure. Uh, and really good tutorials, really good introduction to the game. You're immediately opened up with two or three characters to play with and choose from right away. Uh, it's a good time. Really enjoy it. Are you playing AI or is it live people? Um, you, you play, you jump in and you, you have the option to play AI or live people. So it depends on how you want to do. Do you want the standard, really predictable experience or do you want to get wrecked? You know, you pick. So, (laughs) (laughs) okay, cool. I didn't even realize they had league on mobile. So, you know, maybe, maybe it's, well, I mean, I've been seeing it all over my ads, all over Instagram, all over YouTube. Every time I open a YouTube video, the ad is like league of legends, wild rift. And so, you know, I, I, I'm surprised that you maybe haven't seen it as much, but then again, are you an iPhone user, Josh? I am. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's why. I don't know. Because it seems to be that Google Play Store itself is pushing the game. That's why I say that. So hmm. so I, I'm not I'm not sure. But yeah, no, it's fun for sure. Yeah. I uh 
so league is like a culture in and of itself. Like there's yes. parts of the gaming industry that I am just not a part of. Um, yeah. League is one. Lots of Blizzard games are in that category, but then there's like esports, the fighting scene, like those sorts of things are their own intense cultures within yeah. the umbrella of the gaming industry. And and yeah, for sure, League, I'm I'm not a part of at all. And I remember a super crazy conversation I had with a friend who was deep into League of Legends, was like trying to go competitive with it. And I didn't understand a word he was saying. <laughs> so it's some people's bacon and other people's, I don't know, uh, ash grit trash i don't know what the word would be for that but but if yeah you, if you if you guys think we're gatekeepers just try getting into the league community <laughs> <laughs> yeah 100 percent. really cool i mean if that's your thing for sure i mean even rocket league i don't know we, we we've both played we both love rocket league but like i don't know if you've ever talked to a rocket league aficionado i had the experience in san diego actually when we were both living out there of standing in line for a signing and the guy right next to me was this hyper Rocket League guy. And it is insane how seriously people take that stuff. Yeah. You know? Um, but that's everywhere in the gaming industry. And, like, I'm, I'm in that perspective, I am a casual, too. <laughs> like, sure, I'm just sure, having yeah. a good time. And yeah, just playing any people. game that I can. Yeah, who are like taking it seriously, trying to get down the statistics and all the specific moves and all the iota and whatnot. So very distinct. What's your second game that you've been playing, Jared? So I picked up Brawl Stars again, just because Brawl Stars is one of those games that's so easy to get into, so addicting, so fun, so rewarding. Um, Supercell has this, uh, this formula on lock. All of their games that they you know, that they promote and, and build. They are just masters of um, it, getting microtransactions, of, of creating a great balanced game with solid graphics that crashes uh, very little for the intense, like, workout that it gives your phone. And then it's, uh, they're just excellent games. So I love Brawl Stars. I pick it up every once in a while when I um, see that they've updated it or given a new character, put a new character in the mix. So it's a, it's a great game. Love Brawl Stars, too. Is that, you think, a good candidate for the switch switch um i don't i mean yes yes and no i mean i think it would be a ton of fun it it would be a ton of fun but then again i think a lot of mobile games would work really well on the switch because of the switch you know the the mobility of it the fact that you can take it off the, the console and it feels like a mobile game and it would give you the advantage of having a controller with a mobile game, you know, like sometimes you're stuck with your phone screen and your phone overheats and you're, you know, whatever else. I would just say yes, but I would say that to a lot of mobile games, but Brawl Stars sure. is definitely a dope game. So yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah. Great. You got Supercell there. They, they make great games, certainly on the mobile side of things. So check it out yes, for sir. free. So and how about you, Josh? What are you playing? Um, yeah, I was about to jump into the games that I've been playing because I am really curious about this third one that you have listed here, Jared, but mm-hmm. I want to kind of build up hype for it. So before we get to Jared's last one, I'm going to jump into what I've been playing. First and foremost, the Ratchet & Clank remake came out in 2016 on the PS4, was made as a promotion for the movie that nobody remembers, and the game is so much better than that trash movie was 
Um, I did take the time to watch it because I'm a huge Ratchet and Clank fan. But this is a remake of the original Ratchet and Clank. Um, Full-blown, brand-new graphics. They add stuff to each of the little levels. But, like, when you jump in, if you played the original, you remember. Like, it, it brings back memories of the specific levels and whatnot and some parts of the plot. Although those have been kind of changed in and of themselves to match the movie that came out. It's funny. They even reference the movie like kind of in a tongue-in-cheek way and they bash on it which i think is hilarious uh because the movie ended up being terrible i don't know if they meant (laughs) for that to be a thing but it works out beautifully because the video game this ratchet and clank remake is fantastic fan freaking tastic it makes me so excited for the upcoming ratchet and clank game um that i'm i'm about to go rob someone and take their ps5 like i am so ready for that after playing portions of this game i'm still playing through it uh because this is a decent sized game but i haven't quite finished it but i'm planning on continuing to see the end i've played through it before uh, but here i am revisiting it and part of that is because i'm i'm wrapped up in the hype for the new game and this is the only option i have and i am just falling back in love with the series man I love Ratchet and Clank. I, have you ever played a Ratchet and Clank game, Jared? I haven't, but I love hearing you talk about games that you're like nostalgic for, that you have a history with. Yeah, so I I remember playing the very first Ratchet and Clank at my cousin's house. I also played the demo that came with the PlayStation Two when you <laughs> bought the PlayStation. Like it had like Sly Cooper, it had Ratchet and Clank, it had Tony Hawk, and like you you jumped into these games, you got a little snippet and like, you just really wanted more, but you're a little kid. You don't have the money to go get it. And so it was always like out of reach. Um, and then I was able to get not two, there's going commando in between one and three. And then three is up your arsenal. I was able to get three ratchet and clank up your arsenal. And I played through that game. That is one of my top three games of all time. Whoa. Love it to death. I played through it probably 80 times. And it Whoa. it works it works in that favor. So like the way that the original games were, were built was that like as you finished a game, you went back in, you could just keep upgrading your weapons until they were ridiculously powerful. And a lot of Ratchet and Clank comes from the ingenuity like a lot of the charm of it comes from the ingenuity of the weapons. And you can see that here in this uh, remake, they take some of the weapons from the other games. So they don't stick to just the weapons that were in the original game, because a lot of those are pretty basic. You know, you've got a blaster, you've got a shotgun type, you've got like a bomb. Um, sure. And as the series progressed, they, they threw in more interesting more creative more original weapons and that's always been a huge draw of the series and so they take from other games like mr zircon was not in the original he's like a little helper that pops up when you employ him and he shoots at people on in and of himself and he he's always making these funny comments and talking about himself very seriously even though he's this tiny little robot and it's just i have been having an absolute blast replaying this game and 
looking forward to seeing the end of it. I love the characters. It's got a vibrant world. It is beautiful as all get out. It's like Pixar levels of beautiful. At least in like the gameplay, like some of the scenes, some of the uh, cutscenes, you could you could definitely shore up, especially in this day and age. Uh, you know, four five years later, I guess twenty twenty one. So sure the. The cutscenes could use a little bit of shoring up. Some of the movements a little bit stilted, but like it captures that beautiful cartoon feeling that that movie was going for, but in a game format. And I just love the series, and I'm having a blast playing through. So just wanted to give a quick shout-out to that. The other game I'll just spend a couple minutes talking about, Olegia, I think is how it's pronounced, is a Devolver Digital published game on the Switch. Weird... It is it is weird. It's like an exploration 2D game. It's not quite Metroidvania. Uh, each of the characters seems very serious, but they're all pixelated and not. It's like in a very chunky way. It's not in like a clean, um, sexy pixelation way. Like I think of like the Owlboy game or things along those lines. It's very much like they're trying to go for a basic look. And because of that, it has a, a weird like set of movement to it, um, and you're just exploring these islands. So you like you go from island to island. You're trying to piece together the mystery behind it. Honestly, I don't really know a whole lot about the story, and I haven't played a whole lot of it. But it's all right. I I'm I'm kind of like hesitant to go back to it. I've put in probably two or three hours at this point, and I've been having a decent amount of time. They have a really cool spear mechanic where you can aim at certain points on the level and throw the spear. It's all in 2D, so, you know, it's like you're on the left side of the screen, and on the right side of the screen there's a point, and you can throw the spear at that and then jump to your spear, which is cool. So they have a couple of, like, interesting platform mechanics with that, but otherwise the levels are, like, browns and grays, and they're not super exciting, and the lore itself isn't necessarily drawing me in. And the most annoying part of the game is that whenever you jump... So, like, it's a set of islands that you're going to and exploring. So whenever you go in between the islands and you jump on that ship, you spend, like, two and a half minutes, like, on the ship. It's, like, slow. And I don't know why. Like, it's unnecessarily, like, you're sitting on there, the guy is rowing, and nothing else is happening. And I'm like, what in the world's going on? Like, are they using this for loading? It doesn't seem like it. Um, so that that part's kind of weird. It, it makes me sit there, and of course, I have a low form of ADHD, and so I'm like growing impatient as it's going on. But uh, that's Olegia. Cheap. It's not super expensive. Devolver Digital usually has a good taste in games, but it's it's kind of one note from what I'm feeling. I don't know if I'll end up finishing it, but that's the other game. I've been playing. Jared, tell me about God Eater 3. I am excited about this. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was too. Uh, until I got it and then realized that uh, it has a somewhat high, like moderately high barrier to entry. And by that, I simply mean the controls. So the game is pretty beautiful for the most part. Uh, it came out a couple years ago. Uh, it's, there's also an anime called God Eater that goes with it. Obviously, you know, God Eater 3, you know, so it's got some history. It feels a little bit like Xenoblade 
uh, in its game mechanics. You got massively big weapons, and you're surrounding monsters trying to take them down. Um, Post-apocalyptic uh, situation going on. Um, so premise good, story looks good, graphics look good, art looks good. I actually made my character look like Petra because I didn't get to play as Petra from Fire Emblem. <laughs> so uh, that's I gave her purple hair and all that different stuff. Shout but, out to uh, Petra. Yeah, shout out uh, best girl. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I, it's it's hard to get used to the controls. Like even after like thirty minutes in the intro of the game, trying to get used to controls is still a thing. Like I I redid the tutorial three times and I'm still figuring it out. So hmm. I, it's because it's partially because like it's not intuitive and they've also like left action button. Like what does that mean? That could be anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like it's hard for me to rewire the controller too. So I'm trying to figure out the best way to play this because I really would like, you know, to, to streamline this. And I already am getting the feeling that I could do it good myself. But I have high hopes for this game. Hopefully, uh, I'll be able to give an update that's positive later. But for now, it's it seems to have like a moderately high barrier to entry. So it, it looks beautiful and it's, you know, yeah. anime and all that stuff. But but we'll see. I'll, I'll keep you guys posted. Yeah, it's got like a, from what I understand, it's got like a pretty cool world map. It's got... Yeah, that interesting deep level of combat that if you can get used to is fun, and I'm sure it has a really great anime story. So I've always been yeah. curious about the series. So I've yeah, never I've, checked I, it out myself. So I'm I am curious to hear what your final verdict is on it. For sure, I bought it a while ago, uh, and then just forgot that I had bought it <laughs> because it's currently mm. on sale. So when you go to the great deals page on the eStore, it's like God Eater. I was like, oh, I forgot I bought this. So I just downloaded it recently. I've been trying to pick that up in addition to playing the game, the games that I've mentioned and, you know, the, the, our game for the episode today. So yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty good. And, um, um, I'll, I'll keep you guys posted. There you go. God eater three. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our default segment for this episode. Jared, you and I have been granted one remake made to perfection. What do you want? What do you want? Like, if you were given the option to remake anything, and when I say anything, I'm referring to entertainment. So this can be outside of video games here, Jared. This can be applied to movies. This could be applied to comic um it can be taking a comic and converting it into a movie it can be applied to a tv series um but then of course the video games themselves if you had the chance to remake that particular product in today's age with today's technology and the extra tidbit onto this whole thing is that it is made to perfection so it's not screwed up they don't mess up as they're trying to do it which is want to happen um instead it is exactly what you wanted exactly what you hoped for what would you want remade you know that's a good that's a good question um i i suppose it's it's hard for me oof that's a tough one i really don't know if you're talking about 
shows and things like there's there's several shows that I could say like oh they they had me until they messed up the ending like if I had to pick one show that had to be remade I would probably remake either um uh what's that? now I'm losing I'm forgetting the name of it it's um be lost for me yeah lo- actually lost is one of them for sure they they great show missed the ending you know um, but also too I would remake um, Death Note because we all know where that went wrong. Um, oh, and then definitely. and then I would probably, as far as games go, I think they've remade Skyrim a couple of times. So even though the first edition was like, no, no bueno at times, it was still playable. And then two, like, they have updated it and fixed it, and the modding community kind of adopted it and took it under its wing. So there's a couple of things there. As far okay, as- but like jumping in right there, a Skyrim remake in today's technology, like... A PS5 level of just like attention to detail. Yes, yes. I would die for. I would. But love I also, that. I also know that they're gonna make the next game. You know what I mean? So like, sure, I, sure. I just wouldn't be surprised that now that Microsoft owns Bethesda, did I say that right? Isn't that right? You, Is you, Microsoft yes, own Bethesda you got now? that correct. I wouldn't be surprised if they did, you know, start remaking their old games in the future. It it just hmm. it doesn't take as much to remake an old game as it does to make a brand new one with new, you know, it, it Skyrim sold so many copies. You're you're kidding yourself if you don't think they're drooling over the chance to remake that. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um. So that's that's one. Um. But other than that, I really don't have a ton of complaints. A lot of shows have ended horribly, but I guess. Maybe that's one. Mm, I can't. I can't really think of. I'll, I'll try to think of some more. But Josh, if you had one remake, I'm assuming you have an answer to this question. I don't. I don't oh, have an answer. Okay. I, okay. So I have some hopefuls, but I don't know if I could pick one. Maybe if okay. I, if it came down to it, gun to my head, my one remake that I would call for, that I would cry for, that I would want to see in its perfect state would be. The Let Legend of Zelda, Ocarina okay. of Time. Okay, all right, gotcha. gotcha. So, like, gun to my head, I'd pick that one. Oh, man, it'd be so cool to to see that fully realized with the potential that we have in the consoles today and have that same classic story. Of course, the world would have to be significantly expanded and you'd have to build in a lot more to what is today kind of rudimentary bones um in a game so there is stuff to work on with it but it's such a good it's such a classic it's it's so magical and if they could translate that to the new to the new era that i would love that um really any zelda game from back then would love to see um a lot of mario games i'd love to see mario 64 although like especially after revisiting it with the 3d all-stars package like there is a unique charm to the 64 version that you just yes. can't like if you updated everything, gave it good graphics and made the jump more accurate. Like that take away from what that game yes. was, you know, and totally it's agree. Same with same with the original Smash Brothers, too. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So like that's that's the danger, you know, is that you kind of take away from that original charm. And sure, maybe it's more smooth, but you lose some of that chunky heart and humor so but i'd say ocarina of time for sure if i got a ground up remake of a game that i think could use it and that wouldn't lose charm in the first place it would be metroid prime 
That's what the one I was gonna guess, dude. I thought you were gonna say Metroid, hands down. I I would love a Metroid Prime remake, like state of the art graphics. Oh man, like I'm getting chills just thinking about it. <laughs> uh, the the motion, the movement, the the you know animation, the way that the world like the world itself is already so interesting. Like updating that building in even more lore because that's one thing about especially the metroid prime series like you can scan things and like get a whole three paragraphs about like what the origin of this plant was or what it means to the species on the planet or like what significance this church has with the aliens there so on and so forth like all of that is there and like maybe adding a little bit more of that putting it into 4k with the 60 frames per second first per second like oh man i it would be to die for for sure never gonna happen never going to be a thing but <laughs> one can dream was there any that popped up in your head in the meantime no no i um i i think maybe um i well i had thought of smash bros but i think that the that game is is uh pretty pretty good in its old form so maybe some games i enjoyed it in my childhood like i enjoyed the game ape escape sure uh, it was a playstation game i don't know if you ever played that game but i loved that game yeah uh, and that would be so dope to see that in modern graphics so yeah revitalization yeah. of ape escape would be a ton of fun what about like movies jared like some 80s movie that stuck with you um, i know your favorite is goodwill hunting although you know like taking it away from uh, those original actors might make it lesser but the prompt is that it is perfected you know yeah so yeah i, I mean I, I, other than other than harvey weinstein producing that film it's really perfect for the most part <laughs> so yeah yeah that's fair In my i mind. don't know interesting thought process I, the reason i even thought about this for this particular segment was that we are kind of living in an era of remakes anyway remasters whatever the word you want to call like taking star wars and giving it new life in the movies they're they just announced the last of us remake which i think is insane and kind of spurned on this whole thought process here because it was like what is another game there's like literally a hundred if not a thousand other games that i could think of that i'd rather have remade than the last of us <laughs> right but that's just like that's the culture we're in like people want to yeah. recapture that nostalgia capitalize on it make money off of it and so that's the kind of the origin of this question with that said let's jump into our pick of this week and it's a strange one it's a fun one it's in at this point kind of old at least in jared and i relationships Jared and my relationship, and that is Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Jared, what was your overall impression? of this game i know you played it probably a couple years ago at this point uh or maybe what was it 2019 i think i yeah, asked you to review yeah. it so yep. when you first played it and now going back and revisiting it how do you feel about this game so in my opinion um it is an absolute 
it's it's a it's a chunker, but it is another solid game for your Switch library. I really can't think of anything other than a recommendation for this game. Uh, it's a ton of fun, and it's got some drawbacks. We'll talk about those, but overall impression, it's another solid game. And uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't probably I wouldn't phrase it any other way. It's wacky. It's zany. It's chaotic <laughs> it is wacky. for sure. But uh, it's as far as gameplay goes, immensely enjoyable. What would you say makes it solid in your mind? Because the mechanics are so. In my mind, the biggest thing that can sum up the gameplay of this game is that it's easy to learn, difficult to master, and the challenge that that comes with playing through the whole game and then beating the additional like challenge content that is tacked on to the end and like the ultimate challenges and the ultra hard challenges and everything like that like that game it, it's again like i said easy to learn how this game works difficult to master it you got to mix mm. and match your teammates you got to account for uh bonuses environment a scale you know uh, higher ground, lower ground, different, the way the map is laid out, mobility, all this different stuff. We'll get into the, the, the nitty gritty, but it, it's solid in the, in the way that like the mechanics are consistent um, and the gameplay is, it, it's just tight. It just works. Uh, it's, it's, it's so easy to understand. So it's great. It's challenging all the way down. Good. Yeah. No, I totally agree with all of that. Uh, my first and overall, I guess, impression, not just first, but is that this game has no right to be this good. And it is freaking amazing. Like, I love Mario plus Rabbids, which is not a sentence I ever thought I would utter out loud. But there you have it. And you're right. It's attributed to just the way that the mechanics are consistent and to the challenge that's in there for, for what looks like. Like, the skin of this game is very much juvenile this is a mature game like this is a a thought out deep strong in the gameplay section video game and it makes you think it makes you second guess yourself it makes you really have to plan and strategize and it punishes you if you do not do those things effectively and that was a huge surprise for me for what's for a game is called Mario plus Rabbids. What in the world? That's what you get out of it. I loved it. I loved, I loved almost every aspect of this. I do have a couple gripes here and there, but man, this game has no right to be as good as it is. That's my overall impression of it. That's the best way to phrase that up. It, it just doesn't make any sense. You're, you're playing this game and you're like, <laughs> you're, you're, that's exactly right. I couldn't set, I couldn't have said it any better myself. It has no right to be this excellent. Yeah. yeah I mean, you're, they're exactly right. The rabbits. Okay. So traditionally, if you followed Ubisoft, if you were a kid in the early two thousands, the rabbits were the goofballs who were a part of party games they gave Rayman some trouble here and there, but otherwise they're this dumb mascot with way too wide eyes who are yeah. doing the most juvenile things all the time. It's like the fart joke personified in yes. a video game. Yes. And you never expected it to be anything more than that. But here you have Ubisoft going to Nintendo, asking if they can use the Mario franchise. Miyamoto famously said, if you want to use Mario in a game, you have to do... You have to make a game where Mario doesn't jump. And so they came up with this this insane concept, but this brilliant concept of a strategy game in the vein of 
the um I'm trying to think of what that series is called. For some reason, it's escaping me right now, but it's an alien series where it's very much like Mario plus Rabbids where it's strategy. You have soldiers on the field and you're going back and forth. Um, I, I can't remember the name right now, but it they take that skeleton and then they throw onto it this cartoony, weird mashup of the Rabbids mixed into the Mario world, and it works. It does. And it works well. And it works more than well, in fact. This is one of... Like, replaying this game... I played it back when it first came out in 2017. But, like, replaying it this last week or so has solidified in my mind that this is one of my favorite Switch games. Like, top five. Like, very, very easily top five. I love how this game feels. I love how this game is presented. It's a good game and has no right to be, and it's just, it's crazy that, like, I remember, so, like, of course, unlike Jared, I'm very much in the video game industry. I follow all the news and whatnot. I remember when there was a rumor that broke that they were making, at Ubisoft, a Mario plus Rabbids game, and people scoffed at it, and even I was thinking, like, that's going to be a stupid little side party game with some dumb mini games and that's going to be it because that was my impression of the rabbits i remember right. playing rayman raving rabbits tv party and it was like a bunch of really silly mini games a couple of fun like rhythm music games that were like very generic very on the nose like britney spears ripoffs and whatnot and that was that was the only amount of potential that i thought that this thing would amount to and it blew past those expectations and reached a higher level that I would have never expected it to reach. And I mean, from all this, you can very clearly tell that I love Mario plus Rabbids and I'm hoping to see it enter into the hall of games, but we'll see how this conversation goes. Um, any other thoughts in this opening segment, Jared, you'd like to mention before we jump yeah. into the specifics? Yeah. I wanted to see, I, I didn't do it before this. I just researched it real quick. Apparently it won, um, the game awards for best strategy game in 2017. Good. Yeah. It beat Halo Wars two. Um, and uh, wow. a couple others here. So it beat a couple other nominees. So at least it was recognized for the greatness that is its gameplay. So that makes me happy, but yeah, Good. It, we, we will see how this it. conversation goes. I don't know if, I don't know if, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I'm curious if you can convince me otherwise. But Jared, tell me about the gameplay. So you you jumped into this game even before we started this podcast, before you were on the hook for playing a video game at least once a month. What did you think of the gameplay? As someone who doesn't necessarily play strategy games all the time, what did you yeah. think? Yeah, I, dude, I mean, like I said, super easy to learn and difficult to master. And, like, that is that is what all games should aspire to be, truthfully. Could like you every explain game, it? Say what like, I mean? If you, were, if you were giving a quick pitch of this game to a friend, could you explain it to them, how this gameplay works out? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you have, um, let me see, let me go, let me go to my gameplay here thing. So you have, you have uh, five different components of gameplay. You have your weapon, um, you have your special ability, and you have movement, and then you have team movement, which is like team members can combine movement to get further or to uh, 
get higher up on an elevated platform, and then you have counterattacks. Yeah, you have, and then you have uh, the team jump, and then you have counterattacks, which are when your enemy's turn is going on, you can counterattack their movements with some characters. So you have five different uh, uh, weapon components to strategize with. Additionally, your teammates also have you know f- uh, five or so different components uh, that they're strategizing against you. So you're playing against an AI, and so you have to work your way around the battlefield using limited cover, um, using angles. You know, if if you're at a, a perpendicular angle you can you can flank someone so you have to keep that in mind you can attack them from above some characters can do a ground pound some others can't some some have like uh splash damage and some have direct damage some are long range some are short range there's so much variety it's not simple point and shoot i need people to understand that like it's so we i'm going to compare it directly to fire emblem um you're going to get up in someone's range and then attack with a sword or a shield or a lance or whatever or a bow and something along those lines but there's no vertical element. There's no jumping. There's no, you know, there's a little bit of counterattacking. But it, but believe it or not, Mario Rabbids is actually more layered and has more depth to their strategy than Fire Emblem does. So like, make that of what uh, make that of it what you will. But that's that the is truth a of the matter, right there. It, it is. That's just the truth, Josh. I'm not trying to like. I know I got sassy last podcast because I didn't enjoy Fire Emblem, but like. The truth of the matter is that I would have I would have said this back in 2017 when it came out for anything else like it just this game has so much more going for it but again the way that um, Ubisoft created this gem of a game I don't know how anyone in their right mind would have thought that you know oh we should definitely mash up Mario and Rabbids like I don't know who Ubisoft right. was crazy enough to come to Nintendo with that idea but it's brilliant and it works. Um, but yeah, the gameplay is complex. I can't even lie to you. It is, and it's super satisfying when you nail it and you get a rhythm going. And like, my goodness, it's a very rewarding gameplay for sure. It's, it's rewarding at the same time that it's punishing, and you learn fairly quickly into the game. Like by world two, you are aware of like I need to each of my turns use every possible action that i can to my to you know to to my benefit whatever it is like i need to slide into this person but i also need to be far enough away that they're not going to necessarily be able to hit me back i need to make sure that i'm behind a block but at the same time i want to make sure that i'm maximizing the amount of damage that i'm doing on the enemy um you got to remember that like if you're facing a map full of four characters that it might be more valuable to take out one of them, even if it's at, it's, if it's at the expense of you lo- getting damage in the next turn, so that they don't have four people as opposed to three people attacking you. So there's like small little decisions that are being made here and there where it's like, okay, do I risk Luigi and move him close enough to the front to take that sniper shot that I need? To yep. take out the the bouncing rabbit or whatever I don't even remember all their names. It's like Ziggy, I think is most of yeah, those like the yeah. base name is Ziggy. But like, do I risk that or is that too much? Because Luigi might get taken out by being a little too close. He has a lower health meter than the rest, and so I want to be careful and conserve him. And so it's like this back and forth of decision making every single round, every single turn that you have has that amount of 
thinking that you have to do and like observing the map especially as you get later into the game like by world three it gets crazy um even by world four like it is hard and one wrong move could wipe like if you spend your turn doing dumb things and you move them into enemy territory and you don't use them effectively or you try not to conserve them or so on if you're just like going straight on the offensive you're dead meat like they will lick the table with you and totally turn the tide and and take out all your enemies or all of your characters in one go and it's it's impressive that a game like this is doing that on that level but it is it is so satisfying like you said when it when it hits that stride and when you're able to like feel like a boss, you know, like you just took out six different rabbits in your one turn because you dashed into each one and you used your weapons effectively and you used your extra abilities, upgrading your other members in your team and adding protection if you're peach or jumping onto them and creating an exploding effect. If you're Yoshi and so on and so forth, like, using each member of your team to their fullest effect and seeing the implications that it has on the other side. It's just so much fun and so satisfying when you're done with it. Yeah. And and what's interesting too, is that, so the, the DLC dropped, I don't know how recently, but, um, what's, what's interesting is that the DLC content, um, no joke is just as good as the original content. It's just different. So and we'll we'll get to the details on that later. But including the DLC, you have a full list of like uh, let me think one two three four five six I think twelve characters to pull from, and they're they are um um uh you know any combination of like certain some have more mobility and less defense, some have a crazy amount of defense, but it's distributed weird. It's some have people have like guards or shields or 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 extra jumps or you know da- more dash attacks or whatever else there's right. so much variety it's like you're starting to get to um as far as like enemies and weapons and different variability you're starting to get super complex levels of uh strategy here uh yeah and on like a for level, instance sorry yeah. just to explain like you can have rabbit mario who has a shotgun and is very much a close rain character but then you also have peach who has a shotgun kind of uses that in more of a support way. Um, so you have, like, overlapping abilities. But yes. within each character, there's slight differences. Like, Rabid, I think it's Rabid, Yoshi has a grenade, and so does Peach. Um, Mario has a regular gun, and so does Rabid Peach. But within them, like, Rabid Peach is a healer. Mario is a... He boosts people's attack power, attack abilities... And so there's slight differences between each of them. And I think all of the Mario characters have that counterattack, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, not all of them do. So which one? Is it Yoshi that's missing that, I think? No, it's all of the um, all of the Mario characters do. All of the Rabbid characters do not. Okay, well, that, that's what I was saying. Like, all the Mario yeah. characters, I might have said that wrong, but all the Mario characters have that, and all the Rabbid characters have distinct ones. And they're all just rabid counterparts, but it's it's fun to see even that. And then you also have in the DLC Donkey Kong, who is like, in my opinion, kind of OP. He has an insane amount of range as well as 
just like crazy abilities like any enemy on the map unless it's a boss can be turned into a ball and tossed which makes for some really fun and great moments but like in the DLC, they even found some even more originality, I guess is what I'm getting yeah. at. So, like, yeah. within each character, they're original, and then as they continue to expand, it just became even more original. As yeah, it goes that, was super, that was super impressive to me. It's like you already have a list of, like, nine characters that are excellent, and then you go into the DLC and just give me more excellence? I was yeah. very impressed. It's hard to nail DLCs because people are, like, they're hard to be impressed. The people who buy DLCs are hard to be impressed. That's part of the problem. But yeah. Josh is absolutely right. The dynamic between uh, uh, Grumpy, Rabid, and what is it? Cranky, Crank, Crank, I don't know. What is it? Whatever. Yeah, it's Cranky, um, Rabbit and Donkey Kong. Yeah, and then uh, Rabbit Peach, who has a slightly different skill set. And um, the, that whole, the whole DLC was super enjoyable to play because it was like way, it was more originality. It was great. Yeah. Um, I, the, the, the variety of the characters and their abilities is just shown off in a tremendous way when you play the super challenges because you're really thinking about how you can um, use different characters' abilities. I mean, you're going through your team selection and your weapon selection really considering, all right, right. I know what's ahead of me. I know what their range is. I know what their abilities are here. I really need to account for this. I need to think about the boss that's in this area. I need to think about, I mean... The super challenges, to me, back when I played this in 2019, were my favorite part of the game because the character variety really shines through. It's the star of the dish uh, it, you know, in, in that situation because it really gets complex. And when you master it and you nail it and you've accounted for all the little details and you're not missing anything, man, it's, it's, a, it's just an incredible experience. And experience is like the word I want to hone in on here because you don't expect this game to be an experience, but like when you come out of a battle, it's like your head comes out of the water and you're like, oh my goodness, like I was holding my breath. Yes. I was nervous about every move. Yes. I I was into this game in a level that you do, like even in Fire Emblem, you don't experience that. No, like you in don't. Fire Emblem, like making that direct comparison to our last episode, like in Fire Emblem, if you have a problem, you just throw Byleth at it, or or the head of your house. And in Mario plus Rabbids, you can't do that. All of them are on the equal playing field, including the enemies. And if you are not careful, they wipe you. Like they they wipe the floor clean with you just as easily as you wipe the floor clean with them. And it makes an incredible dynamic. And I, I loved it. And, and and it starts out pretty straightforward, but even by World 2, it starts to push you. And if you're not up for the challenge, um, it's a hard game to boot, which is weird because it seems like it's marketed toward children. <laughs> but I can't imagine yeah. being an 11-year-old trying to do this and completing each of these levels first oh, time. Oh, I can. You know? I can. I oh. believe so. I believe. Well, you this were smarter game's... than me. <laughs> no, 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 no. I actually believe. I actually believe that this game's learning curve is Chef's Kiss, kiss perfection. Truly, like you could sit down a kid of any age, and as long as they're paying attention, they will get the basics in the tutorial. They're going to learn on the go. They're going to pick up new characters with new abilities that increase complexity in a slow way, and it's going to be. It's going to be on like Donkey Kong. It is the game's learning curve is fit for anyone. That's what I'm talking about. Like the barrier to entry for this game is non-existent. Anyone can play this game and get good at it because the way they introduce to you new characters and more difficult AI. And Josh, 
we could have a whole conversation about the AI. How refreshing is it to play a, a game with AI that makes intelligent, strategic, brutally difficult decisions? I was like, I because the AI, here's, okay, one of the reasons this game is, is challenging is because you have to restart the entire battle if you mess up. Yeah, it's not there's like no Fire Emblem where you have exactly. a quick turn back one move. That's exactly right. Turn back to like, okay, I'm going to go back a couple moves and kind of like anticipate this because I've seen the future essentially. No, 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 no. Start from scratch. And then the enemy changes how they attack you each time. So it's it, so that's what's incredible to me is that this game's AI is is crazy. So that you're often outnumbered. That's one thing. So you have to account for multiple different angles. You're going to get flanked. Uh, as well as attacked head on, you're going to get dashed, you're going to get jumped on, you're going to all this different stuff, and you have to account for all of that in your head at the same time. But the game doesn't throw you into like you know uh, Dark Souls on turn one. No, 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 no. The, the way that they teach you and teach you the basics and teach you and add uh, complexity and then allow you to level up slowly and then it's incredible. I mean, dip. Hmm. It's the it's the it's the cleanest entrance into the pool of a game that you could ever have. You ever heard of the term leapers versus creepers? Like people who enter the pool slowly right. versus those who jump in. There are some mm-hmm. games that you can jump in with, truthfully. Like I think Phoenix is one of those games. You can jump into Phoenix and then buy yourself abilities later to make your, your gameplay more experienced. This game, because of the layering complexity, my goodness, it's like a cake on Cake Masters. It's just got so many layers, and it's put beautifully. So by the time Ubisoft and Nintendo set this cake in front of you, my your eyes are bigger than your stomach at that point. It is incredible. <laughs> uh, it's it's a rich game. It's actually, like, it's just so surprising. I, Josh and I are going to say this multiple times, I'm sure, but it's just so surprising how well-balanced it is, but how, like, how deep the, the 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 textures go. It's incredible. Hyper-balanced. I think that's one of the most impressive things about this game because they keep adding elements. Like, I, in my replay, I haven't finished World 3 yet, so I'm, I'm hoping to be able to wrap it up in the next week or so, but even in World 3, they're adding new enemies who do different... Yep. They have different, you know, uh, movement abilities and whatnot, and so you have to compensate for that. But Mario who was the starting character is just as capable of handling those added abilities as the last character, which is rabid Yoshi. I might be wrong. Might be Yoshi. Um, I didn't quite get to that. So I can't remember which one comes last, but just as much as that last character who was added to you has the ability to handle those situations. And so it's, it's just so perfectly balanced in that way. And I loved it for that. Additionally, so we've talked about characters and we've talked about the battlefields are excellent. So the battlefields, yes. think of it as in like Mario and Rabbids on a paintball field, actually, is pretty is a pretty apt analogy because you have actually, barriers. Yeah. yeah, you have barriers and you're again you're trying to flank people and tag them a couple times, like the battlefields, and then plus some of the things that you have to use for cover to like duck behind while you shoot back and stuff. Um, and it is turn-based, so keep that in mind. It's not like a free-roam thing. It is turn-based. But um, but you, some of the cover that you have to duck behind has the potential, like, if it gets hit, it will do damage to you or move you out of your position or put you in a vulnerable spot. So you're really left with, like, you know, weighty decisions. Like, okay, I, I should be okay, but there's a 30% chance I'm going to get wrecked and really yeah. misplaced if, I, if I'm not careful. There's a randomness element to it. Like, one of the... Um, so there, there's like, uh, 
man, there's just so much complexity. But one of the things that if you get hit with a shot and so, all right, let me back up a little bit. I also respect the game a ton because no character is OP in my mind. Now, you said DK's OP. Yeah. I haven't found him to be OP. I did find the DLC easier than the main storyline. I, I finished both, but but I did... I didn't think they were OP. Maybe close, but like not OP. I just thought they were different, and that gave it gave an advantage. But I will say I, I found I found DK and Cranky. You're right. It was the DLC was easier, which that might play a factor into it. But they try to add new elements, and even in that, I breezed through it fairly easily. Whereas in the in the main game, I wasn't able to, and I and I kind of attribute that. Now they they do build those levels around DK's ability to move, you know. Yes. yes. So maybe there was some back and forth that you could discuss there, um, but you, you're right in that it's balanced. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, you're your fine. Mind. So I, I, I'm leading up to a point that, that I say this for, but um, each of the characters is not op um in in my mind at least um like again dk is a slightly different story but um but anyway i I thought it was excellent but but none of the characters are op so um but they so like by that i mean it's it's demonstrated clearly like let's take mario for instance mario has a bonus on his weapon called the honeycomb or something like that so when he successfully nails a character with his shot he has a 70 percent chance to hit them with a honeycomb honeycomb restricts their mobility they can still use their special they can still be freed from the honeycomb if they get hit a certain way and they can still fire away but they can't move so that's something else there's the ink special if your character has an ink special it'll prevent them from attacking they can still move they can still use a special but they can't attack and then there's like the vampire which is they take health any damage that you do they take a portion of that and recharge your character so there's a whole there's a whole other layer that's like sub Sublayered underneath each of the, like, the five components that I they mentioned earlier, and it's all and probability. Sp- yeah, it, but that's what I mean by it's not OP. It's like Mario, even Mario with the most expensive gun that he could buy, still only has a seventy percent chance. That means if you're taking ten shots, three of them aren't going to do the special. So you've got to right. really weigh like how you're playing this out. So it's it. No one's OP, and it's always a challenge, especially once you beat the game and you get to those ultimate challenges, um, which are so fun. There's um, always an element of risk involved, and that just makes the game super exciting. Yeah, nothing is a walk in the park. Um, at the early stages, the AI and the battlefields and all of that are toned down to the starter level, but they're still, because of that, you're limited in the weapons that you have at that time because you don't have the currency or the experience points uh, necessary to boost your characters. So there's the other thing, too. like The cooldowns on your special means that like you can only use a special once and then you gotta wait a couple turns. So you have to survive the attacks of the enemies before you can use a special again. So even if you thought your your character's OP, they're only OP once every other turn or every three turns. Because, you know, that the game is good about limiting what's good and what's not. Um so yeah, it's it's incredible. Your choices really make a difference in your gameplay for sure. Yeah. And you learn like and I noticed this, especially the, my second playthrough, like you learn how to manipulate the battlefield a little bit, especially in those standard battles. Like you learn, okay, there's the brutes who are going to charge at you if they, if they get shot. So maybe you activate Mario's counter so that 
if you shoot him with rabid Luigi and he starts to run toward rabid Luigi, you shoot him with rabid or not rabid Mario, but just regular Mario and he'll turn around and go in the opposite direction. So you can like learn to manipulate these enemies in minor ways, but then that all goes out the window when you get to a boss battle and completely different strategy. Yeah. They require a brand new strategy that you have not employed before. And it is maybe frustrating at first. It's scary. It's certainly stressful, but once you even figure those out, it's, it's another just, it's, it's another turn on this gameplay that just makes it even more interesting, more in depth. And, and it's just so much freaking fun. Like each mid boss, each final boss of each of these worlds presents something new to you and you have to adjust and even if you were great at manipulating the dudes with the shields and the shotguns who are trying to dash at you and block in the front like you you get good at handling them on their own but now you have to deal with them on top of this boss who is totally distinct uh thinking about um even even uh i don't know what you call him but the 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 rabid kong Yep, who I thought Kong, yeah. in World One, I, I thought he was Donkey Kong, so it was oh. weird to me in the DLC when it was like, oh, Donkey Kong versus Rabbit Kong. I thought that was kind of funny because they both had like the the necktie and whatnot. Yep. yep. Um, but yeah, even in that, like World One, it, it shows you like everything that you've learned about this game. We're gonna add more to it, and you're gonna have to adjust, and we're gonna keep this pedal to the metal the whole time. Yeah, and, and, and I loved that. That boss fight in particular, the Rabbit Kong one, has a massive battlefield. It's big. It's like at least like two movement turns wide, which is a lot. It's like 20 or 30 paces wide. Um, so you're thinking long term. You've got to think positioning right. for the ne- like five turns ahead of you. You know, it's crazy. It's like, it's like someone who had a horrible, immature sense of humor, who likes to wear his underwear outside of his pants, came up with this game but because he loves chess and Sun Tzu's The Art of War. It's insane. Like, I don't know where this level of depth comes from. The most it's, immature It's a person game made like, by incels. Yes, yes, but big brain <laughs> incels. We have to give them yeah, props. Big, big Who also, like, paintball or something. Like, it's crazy. So, uh, it, it, yeah, it's nuts. So, Josh, I really... So, I have my, my talking points separated into likes and dislikes for different uh, things. So, we're talking about the gameplay, and my dislikes are pretty simple. Um, I only have two. So the first one, and this is probably, like, this is on on brand for Nintendo. The whole game's, like, not really on brand. Like, you have Peach's Castle, and then it's, like, got underwear all over it. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> but, uh, but like, that's more Rabbids than it is Mario, but, like, yeah. you understand what I'm saying. You have the whole world's concept, like, it's typical in Mario games. But I guess uh, what I'm about to say is definitely on brand for Nintendo. Mario and DK are your lead characters, and you can't change that. So it's definitely mm-hmm. kind of, like, a statement, like... But my my you know gripe is that I can't why can't I use all of the Mario characters or all rabid characters? You don't actually mm-hmm. have complete freedom in your team members. You have to have Mario in there, um, and you also can't just have Mario, Luigi, and Peach. You have to throw a rabid character in there. So it's almost like <laughs> like it's almost like negotiations between um, Nintendo and Ubisoft didn't go <laughs> maybe the way they wanted. So it's like, okay, you know, Ubisoft met with Nintendo is like, all right, we're going to make this game. And they're like, all right, Mario can't jump. And also he has to be in every battle because we insist our guy being the main center of attention. It's like, okay, right. whatever Nintendo. <laughs> 
Um, and then they were like, okay, that's fine, but you also can't have all Mario characters. We're going to force you to use a rabbit. And then they just did a standoff, and then they bowed at the end of the negotiations. But, but like, it's kind of... it. That's one thing that frustrates me a little bit, is just because Mario, both in Smash Bros. and every other game, is always... Anytime he's playing with other characters, he's probably going to be one of the most balanced characters. And he's they build the base him that level. way. Yes, he's very much base level, very average. If you saw him, his stand on JoJo, it would be like a perfect uh, pentagon around the the stand uh, <laughs> power ups there. A uh, little JoJo reference for you. So I he's a very that. yeah, he's a very basic um, character. Everyone else has specialties, right? But that. You know, that that annoyed me a little bit. Um, I would second, say, though, that yeah. is 100% one of my gripes, is that you have to pick Mario. Yeah. Um, in the Donkey Kong DLC, you only have the three characters. So you're stuck with them. That's your team the, the entire the time. Only, the only reason it's still an issue is because half of the time I would have preferred de- uh, Donkey Kong, instead of being in the center, to be on my left or right wing. Mm. Because when it then I could have put... Yeah, yeah. The way he yeah. starts out, because he's your lead character, he has to be in the center. So, like, I yeah. can't change the positioning of my characters. But then again, because of the DLC content and the puzzles and the way they, like, force ultimate challenges on you, positioning is super important because you have a limited mobility. So I do understand right. why they do it. But but at times during the regular standard battle gameplay, when it doesn't matter as much, it bothered me that I couldn't switch them around a little bit. But that other than sense. that, I have no complaints about gameplay. I'm t- I, Like... That's a preference thing and a slight like, oh, I wish they would let me do this because I know I'd have an advantage if I did that. And they're like, well, we're not going to give we're not going to make it that easy. Other than that, I mean, this game, the gameplay is flawless. It is absolutely flawless. No, I agree. I mean, there is something to say about the fact that, like, you jump into your team selection and you cannot unclick Mario. Mm -hmm. You just can't. For the entire very game. Brand, yeah, very on brand for Nintendo. We're ever going to, you know, Mario is in the title, so he has to be on the battlefield. It's like, yeah, right, and it, it is kind of a bummer. I, yeah. I will totally agree to that because it. there are so many other characters that are all, like, you, like we've said, unique, you know, and have their own strategies that you can implement in the battlefield. But for the entire main game, the bulk of the game, which is what most people are going to be playing, you have to strategize almost around Mario. Now, because he is that generic baseline, you can kind of mix and match enough that it's interesting. Um, But that was something actually I appreciated. Jared, we weren't able to play co-op together online, unfortunately, but I did end up the last couple days playing the co-op with my wife. And that was something that was like a breath of fresh air. We didn't have to pick Mario. And I was like, yes. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so we both oh. pick two characters, so there's a total of four on the map. So not it's only one more than what would be in the base game. So you're limit you're not each team you're not kitted with three people on each team, but um you're able to pick anyone that you want. And that made those particular challenges I don't know if I would say more fun, like that's not the word I'd want to use, but definitely felt refreshing. Because I didn't have to use Mario. <laughs> so I appreciated yeah. that. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, it's So you didn't have another gameplay gripe then? No. No, I, I really don't. I mean, we'll get to... So we can we can talk about overall gripes for the whole game. Uh, and sure. I have some things to say there. But yeah, we, we could do... We could do that first. We could do story mode. Or I, I noticed that you had them sectioned off here. So however you yeah, want to do jump, it. Yeah, let's yeah. jump into story. What did you think of the story? Yeah. So I... 
this is the game's biggest weak point is that mm. because of the branding, because of Rabbids, if someone had come to Nintendo and said, look, we have this tremendous idea for a strategy game and it's going to incorporate all the Mario characters and then just picture each of the Rabbid characters replaced by like a colored toad, you're talking about some serious... I mean, I bet I, I can almost guarantee you this game would be twice or three times as popular as it is now if it was all Nintendo's idea and they had branched into the strategy market. Huh. So it, it almost seems... Clear, like, think about that. Think about instead of the Rabbid characters, you have a full, like, Mario... It's just Mario, so everything takes place with no mashup uh, art styles or anything like that. Um, and it's like, instead of the Rabbids, it's Toads, you know? That's or, such an interesting or, thought. Or Goombas, right? Like... You can definitely tell that Ubisoft came to Nintendo and said, we need some more selling power for this because no one's going to take this game seriously if it's just rabbits. But yeah. half the people might take it seriously if we incorporate Mario. And then they sold Nintendo on their strategy, which is, in my opinion, like I just was saying, flawless. So it's, it seems pretty clear like Ubisoft is the one behind the strategy part of things. Um, uh, or maybe I'm completely wrong, but that's just how it seems to me. But I could be wrong. Um, because shooting is definitely not Mario. You know what I mean? Like, right. Um, putting, putting a gun in Mario's hand and throwing him out onto a battlefield is nothing Nintendo ever would have thought of. Exactly. So that's exactly. pure Ubisoft right there. So, so story mode, because of the, in, look, the intended mashup between Rabbids and Mario is the weakest part of this game because it's so childish. Like, that's just the bottom line. And my girlfriend came into the room and watched me play this. She's like, what are you playing? Why is there <laughs> Why is there such... Why are you playing this child game? And why is there underwear all over the place? It's just, like, that, it, is, it is childish. The, the story mode is childish. It's immature. It's potty humor. There's toilets all over the Mushroom Kingdom because of the mashup. Um, the boss fights are one thing, but the story is most definitely very childish. Yeah, that's the rabbit influence that maybe it certainly as as older 20-year-olds even if you're, you know, o- older than that playing this game. Yeah. It's probably the biggest hang up. Yeah, it's for cringe. Sure. It's cringe. <laughs> it is cringe. And that is that is the rabbit's brand, you know. So right, right. it is kind of a consequence of even trying to meld the two in the first place. So yeah, that's really interesting that you bring up that point of like if you even remove the rabbits, perhaps this would have been an even more successful game. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious to me to think about, but but at the same time like the rabbits bring such a distinct feel to this like to the mushroom kingdom that in my in my opinion, anyway, it does like it lends itself to a a, a more fun, lighthearted, maybe even I, I hesitate to use the word, but clever interpretation of Mario that hasn't necessarily been there. Like when you think standard Mario, you think the Mushroom Kingdom. He's jumping on Goombas. He's getting that fire flower, and he's moving from screen left to screen right. And that's it. Like, I guess in Mario Odyssey, they start to jump into like, you know, Peach is denying both Peach and Bowser or Mario and Bowser and doing her own thing. Feminist flair. But like otherwise, unless you jump into like the Mario RPGs, the Mario Mushroom Kingdom is somewhat generic. And you throw in the rabbits, which are juvenile. Yes. And so you're you're dealing with the underwear you're dealing with the farts you're dealing with the toilets 
But then you also have just like slightly clever turns on either Mario lore or rabbit lore that are mildly fun, I would say. Um, and, and a lot of the story itself is pretty straightforward. You're trying to capture the rabbit who's fused with the headset that's causing all of this ruckus that's fusing everything together. But the little moments of like, oh, hey, there's a rabbit over there who's stuck in a pipe or um, there's two weird rabbits, you know, facing off in a, a duel um, in the DLC specifically for Donkey Kong. They had a really large amount. I was surprised, um, but a large amount of references to old Donkey Kong games just in the scenery, you know. And you can go and you can click A and observe that. And then uh, Beepo, who's like your your guide, is explaining what's going on. And it's mildly amusing, you know, in a way that the Mushroom Kingdom isn't typically. So that would be, I say, a, a plus on the side of, of story and the world building is that it is, it is, like, even if you don't appreciate the toilets, like... It will make you chuckle from time to time, at least on a mild level. Um, unless you're a cold-hearted savant like like you are, Jared. <laughs> no, no. I, I actually thought I was going to say, like, to a plus for the story mode is that Beepo's dialogue is actually pretty clever. I mean, he does make some dad jokes, and he does make some, you know, weird puns and stuff. But, but, but it, the writing is actually pretty clever, and his commentary is pretty funny. So I, I enjoyed that. It was mildly amusing. That is the word for it. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I just felt like... So the story mode is a mashup, obviously, of Rabbids and Mario, and so you're moving from kingdom to kingdom. It's Mario and Rabbids kingdom battle. Right. So you actually do move world to world like traditional Mario games, but with the at every turn, at every turn, some crazy chaos is going on with a fusion of you know Mario Mario's uh, you know the typical kingdom like they typically have an ice and a sand and a and a and a spooky kingdom and a whatever else. All of that is there. All of that familiarity is there, but with an extra extra layer of 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 uh, child humor, you know. Yeah. So. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just felt like, again, it was, it was kind of immature for how seriously I took the gameplay just to be right. sucked out of that and to move on and to play, like, listen to potty humor and the dialogue. <laughs> I was like, oh, geez. Like, how could I take myself seriously yeah. taking this game seriously? You know? No, you're, um, you're... Even though the gameplay demanded it. Yeah, you're right <laughs> in making the distinction because but, they are almost, like, juxtaposed against each other and even yes. opposed in some instances of, like... The level of quality and thought that has gone into into the gameplay does not match the goofiness of the world. <laughs> it just doesn't. Yes. Um, it seems like it's but meant a, for a lesser game. Yes. But as the way the story mode flows from world to world, I actually felt like I enjoyed the flow. You pick up characters as you go. And then Josh mentioned, I think Yoshi is the last one you find or something like that. And he joins your team. But you you pick up characters as they go. Um, Peach comes floating in to help you. You know you're you're escorting toads. There's different game modes as you play. Sometimes yeah. you have to do an escort mission. Sometimes you have to do an elimination. Yeah, mission. we didn't mention that. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. All the different game modes are incorporated nicely into the story based on what's going on outside. And then they put you on a map, and you have to do this. Uh, it, it the story and the gameplay mash up well. And I have to say, one of my favorite 
parts of this game are the details that are given to each of the weapons. So you have a character loadout screen where Mario gets to choose his weapons, and he's choosing like a Bumblebee weapon, which is reminiscent of the Bumblebee world from Mario Galaxy. That's what it reminds me of. And and then, you know, Luigi has a vacuum-shaped gun, of course, because everyone's very self-aware, and the puns and the different design styles that they do are taking in a, into account the rich Mario history and some crazy, zany rabbit history that go into this. Um, one of the one of the DLC, uh, this is actually a gripe of mine, but one of the DLCs is that uh, there's like a steampunk DLC for weapons, and then there's a pixel, so like an 8-bit, you know, the original Mario style. So you can get a gun that's 8-bit style. Now, my one gripe is that like those weapons, they're DLC, but they don't actually mix up the game, and they're actually subpar. So if you've already beaten the game, you're not going to find any use for these these weapons because they're not actually better than the best weapons. So they're kind of useless. They're just there for show, but I never use them because they're not as good as the best weapons you can get. But um, but anyway, the weapons in the worlds, the way they, they the way that they do combine everything and they pack like you never walk through bland scenery. There's always yeah. something going on to your left or your right or above you or whatever. There's multiple along your route as you free, not kind of free roam, but you like traverse the different paths of the worlds. There's, like Josh said, you can hit A and observe a funny little scene, like a mini skit that they do with the rabbits that's like introducing Donkey Kong lore or something like that. So it's clever. That is definitely the word. Very imaginative. Um, and so I, you have to give them props for that. It's it's a seamless mashup. It's like, it truly is like a well-made macchiato from Starbucks. Everything just flows nicely and the cream drifts down into the coffee from the top. It works. It, it does work. I appreciate the food analogy that you bring to this podcast. But yes, <laughs> There's been multiple of them in this podcast already. Can you tell that I'm hungry? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with pretty much all your points there. It's a... It's it's a well honed world, but it is a juvenile yeah. one, and you're you're jumping from character to character. the The story is straightforward. It's not going to have any plot twist that surprises you, but it has fun. Like it knows what it is. It's self aware. I think that's the word he used that I like really connected with. It's self aware of the fact that it's Mario plus rabbits, and it uses both sides of that coin to the most effects that I think that it could. Um, and you have some fun twists. Like, I love Tom Fan as the boss in World 3, which is just a play on <laughs> Phantom, you know? And he's yep. the singing yep. opera rabid ghost thing. And yeah. his boss battle is really tough, actually. <laughs> yes, yes. I remember replaying that one so many yeah. times. Yeah, so it's like, it's such a goofy concept, but then you have this intense gameplay tied to it, which just makes this game, like... It has such a weird personality and such a weird identity, but it embraces it and it has a good time with it along the way. So you know how um, you may have you ever seen Open Season? Yeah, the old anime. Yeah, movie? yeah. You remember when Elliot is in the dumpster and he tastes the coffee? He's like, ooh, oh, ooh, mmm, that's good. <laughs> and then you have like the, the the modern girl meme who makes the three different faces. She like tastes it. She's like, hmm, nope, oh, that's nasty. But wait, you know, have you ever? Yeah. Seen, do you, am I flying blind here? That's what this game is. It's like every step that you do is like, hmm, that works. Oh, wait, no, that's nasty. Cringe. But wait, hold on. Like, that's the whole, your reaction throughout the whole game because it does flow chaotically well, but it's, you know, it, I don't know. It does work. It does work. It works, but, yeah. 
Yes, it does. I would say I would say like the uh, so like if Ubisoft went to Nintendo and was like, "Hey, let's make a Mario plus Rabbids game." That concept in and of itself could have been so flat, could have been so weak, but they take it. They don't go beyond it. They they realize what that concept is, which in some cases is kind of like, Ugh. <laughs> right? Um, but they push it to its limits, certainly in the gameplay, and have a good time with it. Um, don't take themselves too seriously. And if you don't take this game incredibly seriously, certainly on the story front, it's well worth the purchase, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's why I had my opening statement say this is a solid title for your Switch library. It's just excellent, and it's a uh, it's a Switch ex- exclusive, and uh, at least I think it is. And um, and yeah, it's, it yeah, it's just great all around. Now, I do have a couple gripes about story mode. Um, I don't know if you did. Uh, if you do, certainly you can you can go ahead and go first. My only gripe is that it's basic. It's not. It's not memorable. It, it's very generic. Um, that's my only gripe. Okay. Um, so, um, what do you mean? I mean, like, it, it's Mario plus rabbits. What are you going to do with that concept? Like, it's in that, you know, like, whenever you have, like, a cartoon mashup, like, Timmy Turner plus Jimmy Neutron, like, they have some mm. weird reason that they combine and then from there they just have fun with the characters and that's kind of what happens here um and that's it like there's no depth to it you're not going to be sitting pondering about the like what happened in the story like a breaking bad you know 20 years later like no it, it is what it is there's not anything else to it and you're not going to get really a whole lot out of it in the first place um so yeah i mean Fair enough. Yes. I mean, there's no, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, in that sense, the game doesn't have any replayability. So interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah, you don't really have any desire to go through the story again. You have no desire to play the worlds again, except for when you're getting completion items. And that's where my big gripe comes in with the, the story mode here. So, Items that you can complete to fill out your museum, which is pretty common in, you know, lots of games like this, of this style, of this genre. It's like, we're going to get all the items and complete all the things. You know, that's that's fine. And um, the problem is that they're, they're buried deep within the maps, and you have to turn a corner to find them. You have to get a hidden lever unlocked and everything like that. And that has actually proven to be very frustrating. If I can, I like to complete games. I like to be a little bit of a completionist. But this game... Because the maps, just the way they're they're laid out, the maps in the worlds are very easy to get disoriented in. I don't know if you found yourself being like difficult to tell which is up and which is down and which is left and right. I don't know if you got lost a couple times, but I did pretty easily. Like coming out of a challenge and trying to get back on the main path and figuring out which way I'd come from and which way I was heading was difficult at times. I, f- I found it kind of easy to get disoriented in. And because of that and the way that it's set up it's it's difficult to complete all of the little quests and unlock all of the little things but you also don't really have any incentive to there's a couple of chests where if you find the chest unlock um it's a a weapon upgrade that you can then purchase later the problem is that 
it's that's not the majority of the chests. The majority of the chests have like a different music score or a little 3D collectible, you know, a little trophy or something. And that fills out your museum. But because the weapon chests are few and far between, you just have to kind of discover one every once in a while to unlock the next best weapon. And you can survive between rounds of the battlefield not always having the best weapon you can actually afford and just like waiting until you can't beat a battle and then you buy the next best weapon, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, the chests so are really a isn't... good incentivi- incentivization yes. at all. At, on their own, yes, right. So, but just if you like to see 100% next to something, you know, that's then you go for it. But I, I was playing the other day and I actually wasted like 20 minutes looking for this one. I knew where the area was where there's a couple of chests, but I couldn't find the key to unlock it. I went... I went up and down this this map and couldn't find it. So that was a little frustrating. It's like, and, and two, the game's not very good at dropping you into a certain point of the map. They do chapters really well. So like, you can drop in and replay a battle all you want until you can perfect it. And Josh and I mentioned this earlier, but as if the game weren't difficult enough, there's also a perfect mode where they limit you, like you only have so many turns to beat the baddies to get a perfect score, um, which increases your reward and, and stuff. Or, or um, you, you dock your score if one of your characters gets knocked out, you know. So the gameplay is difficult, and then there's that level of difficult. And if you're playing the story mode, and you choose not to re-up your health, you're playing with whatever health you have left over from the last battle, which is a challenge in and of itself. So anyway, that's back to the gameplay point. It's a multi-layered gameplay for sure. But I just felt like the maps were easy to get disoriented in and clunky for trying to complete things. And the museum, too, is kind of pointless, so... That that's a negative to this game because it's it's kind of it's more frustrating than enjoyable to complete and get all the trophies and stuff. I agree with the collectibles, with the exploration that they're trying to build into it. It's mildly interesting and they have interesting puzzles here and there. Uh, I think the DLC does a much better job than the base game of making those puzzles like really good, you know, thinkers like you have to sit down and and really pay attention to what your movements are going to do. But yeah, as far as the main game is concerned, like there's no major incentive to go back unless you're trying to 100% it. Like in world one, there are several points where like, it's clear you cannot do the thing that you need to do to progress. And this is outside of battles. So like when you're outside of battles and jumping into, I was kind of going to add this into presentation. I wasn't sure where, but this is one of my gripes with the game is that you are following Beepo, which sucks because Beepo is this little tiny plate like character who's at the front of the it pack. It looks like a Roomba. Yeah, it's a Roomba. <laughs> yeah, that's a perfect, <laughs> that's a perfect uh, comparison. And you, you're not thinking that Beepo, like, Till till the end of the game, I was having a hard time like adjusting. Like, oh, Mario's not at the front of the pack here; it's Beepo. So, like, I need to adjust my character as I'm exploring to what the front of Beepo is. And they kind of solve oh, that. Oh, I see. They solve that in the DLC by having Cranky Rabbit ride on Beepo. Yes, yes. So that he's like front and center, and it's this full character. But in the main game, like. It's just this weird movement. It always feels slightly off. It does it doesn't feel super great. And as you're exploring yes. these maps that are full of minor puzzles and are full of collectibles that aren't worth it as far as I'm concerned, except for the occasional like you'll get like a box of orbs which you can use to upgrade your characters. Like sure, that's cool, but like otherwise like 
it's it's not necessary it's not worth it sometimes like there were several puzzles that i just skipped because i was like this is a little bit too complicated and i don't care (laughs) and i'd rather get into the battles because those are a lot more interesting yes yeah because you know you don't care because you know the reward is going to be some stupid thing like a yeah like a well not sorry not stupid because i know someone spent time on it but i mean like one of the (laughs) One of the one of the rewards is like a mural painting of rabbits doing something dumb. It's like, I don't care <laughs> right. about that as a reward. But Josh, it's interesting too. It's Ubisoft, so you know what these puzzles reminded me of? Immortals. Yeah, Phoenix Immortals. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a that's, funny comparison. That's exactly to right. This conversation. Well, but that's exact. That's exactly what it is. It's like push the thing onto the the weight so the door opens. Yeah. Like that's sense. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's Ubisoft and the puzzles all the way. So if you've played Phoenix Immortals Rising, you know this game is going to feel the exact same. Um, well, not not exact, but you understand my meaning. It's like yep. the same concept. It's basic. But, but I will agree with you there. Yeah. While the gameplay in the original game is much better than the DLC, the DLC's puzzles are actually much more difficult. Uh, and much more challenging and not frustrating because you can do all of them. You don't actually have to unlock a special thing to be able to go back through and, and do a puzzle. Right. So I think if you were to make every chest more rare and have multiple prizes in it and just give you a weapon upgrade as well as other collectibles, you would have an incentive to do every single puzzle. But the problem is that, yeah, again, it's just going to annoy you trying to do this for a dumb prize that you won't even use and probably won't even ever look at. Totally. So, yeah. yeah. So the puzzles, like, they're definitely Ubisoft, but I wonder if they forced them in there because they felt like the game didn't have enough depth to it. They're like, enough depth to the world. So like, oh, we're going to put puzzles in there. It's just, it's just definitely very Ubisoft, and I, I don't know that it was as good as it could have been. So I'm, I think I'm in agreement with you there. Yeah, I don't know how you make it better personally i'm not a game designer so i couldn't diagnose this but it is basic like basic is the word and those aren't the draw of this game like the in between the battles is not the draw other than and this can be a good transition to our next topic the presentation that happens in between battles is a lot of fun sometimes we already talked about it with those scenarios where you click a and you watch a stupid rabbit do something which kind of gets yeah. even that kind of gets old unfortunately um like when it, the game first started like in world one i was like i wanted to see every little thing that was happening in the world i wanted to see how they were making this fun twist on the mushroom kingdom but like by the end of the game i was like yeah like I kind of know it's just going to be some goofy pun or some yeah. dumb scenario that's playing out right next to me. I can watch it and get a feel for what's going to happen before I even click A. And so I'm going to move on without wasting that time, you know, because I'm pushing towards the end or whatever. Um, so, yeah. But that being said, the actual like visuals are awesome. They are. I love. What did you think of the visuals, Jared? Because I absolutely loved the visuals in this game. Yeah. No, I did too. Very reminiscent, uh, especially the cutscenes, very reminiscent of, hmm, I'm going to say, well, I'll just be honest. They're not as good as Luigi's Mansion 3. Like, they, they're, um, you know, when we reviewed that sure. game and did a podcast on that that, that game, th- those visuals were stunning. They were beautiful, full of rich colors and excellent use of darkness and light and, and different thematic elements. But this game, 
maybe it was because it was made a couple years before that, it does a pretty good job of bright, flashy, very Mario, very rabid animations and color themes and palettes. But um, it, so it's good. I, I definitely can't dis, uh, disagree with you there. It is good. Um, definitely a, a strong suit of the game, in my opinion. Watching, so actually, so yeah. like watching some of the cutscenes and exploring the world, especially the second time, has like cemented in my mind that this is top tier switch in as far as graphics are concerned like the yes, animations totally are agree. smooth of course it's a cartoon yes. so like they can kind of get away with those looser graphics you know you're not going to have anything on the style of like a ghost of tsushima where everything's yeah. trying to be realistic but like they hit the ball out of the park as far as i'm concerned um i yeah. remember reading an interview about how one of the head ubisoft developers showed their model of mario to nintendo and they were like taken aback at how accurate it was at how much detail there was on mario and that scene throughout the game is just like they're having fun with this they're adding as much detail as they can it does not feel double a it feels like as close to triple a of a mario game that you can get in the visual department like everything is silky smooth including the animations and the battles like they do slow motion here and there uh you feel the impact of the shots and then outside of the battles you're just having a great time taking in the world i remember the first moment that i was like holy crap this is a legitimate top tier game is in world yeah, one when like there's a moment where you're running, you're, you're in between battles and you're, and you're running across this basic map and then it zooms out and you see the giant colossal tower of blocks in the background and you're just given this fantastic perspective. And I was like, wow, they put some time yeah, and some effort into this game. And that is very clear the- in the presentation. Everything that you're seeing is the reason why Nintendo agreed to loan out their boy to Ubisoft. They proved themselves in the animation department, in the strategy department, the gameplay, all that stuff, and said, look, we are going to make sure that Mario is not disrespected in any way in this game. Uh, obviously, we just need a little bit of your branding power. Ha-ha. Right. <laughs> you know, but um, uh, cue Ursula moment. But, um, but the... <laughs> but no, but it's... But, it, it, but you're exactly right. The animations are sharp. And again... You can use the same descriptor as you did for the gameplay. It shouldn't be this good. It didn't need to be this good. I would have forgiven it had it been worse. But, I mean, you're talking about close to Luigi's Mansion 3 2020 levels of animation here. It's solid stuff. It is. It's good. And I don't know if there's a whole lot more to say about it, but, like, it's a pretty game. Um, Ironically, it's better than Phoenix Immortals Rising. It is. <laughs> yeah, go figure. That's funny. Yeah, no, totally. Um, just in the animation itself, specifically. Yeah, vibrant. Tons of fun. Just yeah. to see the little detail that I that they add in each and every one of the levels or each of the worlds uh, that they add into it. So, what did you think of the music? Yeah. Forgettable. I, I really don't remember really? a, a, a super... Yeah, I just thought it was forgettable. I mean, it was, it was fun and kind of wacky, and the background music was not annoying. But okay. other than that, I really can't put my finger on something that was just amazing. Maybe this is where the gamer side of me and the casual side of you kind of come into opposition, because hearing some of the Ubisoft takes on classic Mario themes blew me away. 
Like, this is an orchestrated game. They take beats from nostalgic games that they just bring to their nth degree. Um, And I, I really noticed it. And maybe it's because I just played the DLC most recently. But, like, in the DLC, they take some classic Donkey Kong themes and make them fun, make them epic. I just had, like, it was like, bum, 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 bum. And like I was like, oh my goodness, I'm in the jungle again, and it's it's Donkey Kong versus these stupid rabbits. But like everything in the background is backing that up in such an awesome way. Like the 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 soundtrack in this game really caught my um, just just caught my attention, and I I loved it for that. Um, I guess like in like backing up from that, yeah, like some of the basic battle music is standard um but it's not annoying it's not in the way of anything yes um and and it's not going to make things worse but i i I think it complements it all very well i would say Uh, yeah oh i i think it it complements it but it's certainly not soul stirring in any way and and i want to be clear like if if it wasn't it nothing annoyed me like I, i didn't find any moment like oh that's annoying um, and it's funny too. We just mentioned how the puzzles were super Ubisoft in the DLC. They have another puzzle that involves music. <laughs> go, you know, go figure. Um, now that we're talking about music, but but the um, I just didn't find the music memorable. But you're making me want to like go back and actually listen to the soundtracks in the museum. <laughs> just, maybe that's why they're there. But um, yeah, listening but yeah, to no, it in I, isolation I, really shows off how much work they put yeah. into it because they took like again Ubisoft is at the helm of this thing and Nintendo gave them their assets and Ubisoft took those assets and just like they created the model of Mario like they tried to recreate those feelings and do so in a way that's respectful but also put it their own spin on it and and, and yeah. I enjoyed it because of that and obviously you know, everything that they made passed Nintendo's quality check yeah. because it came out and, and it's a solid product. I, I mean, there's nothing uh, there's nothing you can take away from the music. It, it definitely, you know, it, it certainly does its job and it complements the game very well. Any other gripes you'd like to discuss before we wrap this up? Yes. Oh, yeah. So um, a couple things. The camera angling annoyed the snot mm. out of me, dude. That it took away from the gameplay. I, I just don't see any reason why you can't have a full 360 angling situation. You only on the battlefield you have four diagonal angles from the four corners of the map. That's it. That's the only angles you get. And like, I, I it's thought the tactic cam was. It's always diagonal. Yeah, it's never like you don't even have um one two three. You don't even have eight uh, ways to look at something. It's always just the four corners of views of the map. So that, and and. While you're, I think I actually mentioned this in my review for this game, is that while you're traversing the pathways in in the story mode, the camera will actually force you to look at something from a certain angle because they want to show off the background and the scenery. Sure. And like those are the only times it's acceptable to take away the control of the camera from me as a player. In my mind, I'm just gonna put my foot down there. Um, don't take away the control of the camera from me in any other situation. It's just not necessary. It's annoying. Um, Along those so lines, a, a like in Fire Emblem, yeah. you could zoom out pretty far, and you you yes. can't zoom out at all in yeah, Marvelous Rabbids. There's no looking up. 
there's no looking down. It's it's frozen at this same like it's a it's a fixed third party emphasis. And I don't know why that was. Yeah. Maybe it was easier to code for that. I don't know. But it is annoying. At yeah, times, if you want to sure. scan the battlefield, you have to hit X, go into the Tacticam, and like slowly drag the camera around the battlefield. And yep. even then, you can't get a hundred yep. percent feel of how everything's yeah. going to play out. Yeah, that was definitely a, a shortcoming. And then the this is the biggest barrier to entry. Actually, I'll save my biggest uh, point for last. But like, no DLC mashup. We can't combine DK and Mario? <laughs> what? What? But then again, Josh, I'm just a casual. What do I know about coding or writing a game? It is difficult to combine a DLC with a game. It's difficult enough. And I really can't get too mad. They gave me a full secondary storyline with four separate worlds. Like, what am I complaining yeah. about? The, D- the Donkey Kong DLC was excellent. But you can't combine the two? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, you're, you're strapped I mean, with those three characters and that's it. Yeah, that's it. There's, so there's much less variety in the DLC, although because they innovate so much with those three characters, or at least with the two, it is it is a, a, a fully worthwhile experience. I have to say the DLC is worth purchasing. Maybe not the weapons, um, the Pixel Pack and the Steampunk Pack, I eh, forget about that, but the Ultimate Challenges and the Donkey Kong DLC, absolutely worth the money, yes. for sure. Yeah. Um, and then Josh... You know, um, well, I've talked. You tell me a couple of your gripes if you have any. Honestly, I think the major gripes I had, we've talked about. Um, okay. Roomba. Le- okay. Or so Roomba. A- <laughs> um, yeah. Beepo leading. Um, and then yeah. being stuck with Mario. Things like that were my major gripes. Did you have any last yeah. ones? Yeah, I have a couple more. The So the menu system for this game actually works really well. So you only have to choose from... So the specials and the mobility are fixed. So those are two components that are give you variety, but they don't change. So the only thing you have to worry about your character's loadout is weapon choice. And then you have a primary and a secondary weapon. Right. So loading out your characters in preparation for a battle is not tedious at all. It flows so smoothly in comparison to <coughs> Fire Emblem, <coughs> um, which is just obnoxious to try to load out your your people before you go into battle. This game takes uh, makes it so easy. You just pick your primary weapon, and actually the DLCs in the Donkey Kong game made me want to um, maybe want to um, lower my weapon uh, damage output so that I'm not taking out characters, I'm just provoking them mm. because some of the DLC puzzles that you had to do required your interaction with enemies keeping them alive to get them to hit you in a certain angle etc um so so i actually felt like the menus are a plus here's the here's the final two things that make this game lackluster there's no battle maker you can't actually create your own challenge to then release to the interwebs for other people to play like you can with other games Man, that's a good thought so yeah. So there's no battle maker. So like I was just I realized this when I play, was playing Brawl Stars. You can actually make your own map in the mobile game, and if you can do it in a mobile game, forgive me for being harsh, Ubisoft and Nintendo, but you can definitely do that in a sixty dollar game that is Mario or fifty nine ninety nine, whatever. I don't. Maybe it's only forty. I don't know. Um, it might be on sale right now. But the but you you can certainly since this game is so heavily reliant on gameplay and battlefields and whatever. That should be the first thing you should be doing when you consider the replayability of this game is is battle making. Like you should be able to create your own battlefield and line it up with baddies and then ask your friends online to play it. And then that brings me to 
the final nail in the coffin and ultimately why I believe that this game should not go into the Hall of Games. There's no online. Hmm. There, is there there's not no online. Really? There's nothing. Josh, you and I cannot play against each other from different states. We have to be in the same room. Really? Uh, that is the biggest drawback oh to this game. Oh my goodness. By far. There's no online. You can't, it doesn't exist. There's versus mode. You and Karina were able to play together because you live together. Lucy and I could play together, but no, uh, there's no online. You can't play from a distance. And because of that, this game, unfortunately, will just be forgotten eventually because it doesn't have any replayability. There's no draw for people to come play this game and invite all their friends and whatever else. You, you just can't. I don't know if it was a formatting issue, if there was no good way to do it without frustrating everyone. Because you do think about it, in almost every battle, you go first. So you position yourself on the battlefield where you want to, I guess. But even then, it's like you could have swapped it out and have a dice roll for who positions first. Yeah. Or maybe you go character by character. I don't know. But, I mean, it certainly was a little... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was certainly was a little frustrating to find that out, that there's no online. And it's certainly inadequate. makes this game... the. Yeah, it may, it's the, definitely the weakest part of this game. And ultimately, in my head, why it shouldn't go in the Hall of Games. Because that's a massive open door that they didn't walk through. They just shut the door on it, and that's disappointing. Man, you're getting me heated. I, I, like, I'm like. i sorry, that's dude. That's been I, a I don't mean to problem. You. you know, like... It is... It, Dude, it, it is, and we could. That's a whole other conversation. But Nintendo just consistently mit drops the ball on online platforming. They they just do. All right. Well, with that said, then Jared, what do you think? Should this game be entered into the Hall of Games? Josh, I think that this game cannot be considered a staple. It can't be considered a classic because of the last couple of points that I made, but also just because it's not. Um, I, I hate to use this word because maybe we disagreed a little bit on uh, disagreed with it a little bit. It's just not mature enough. Like you just hmm. don't. You have toilet humor. Toilet humor doesn't happen in classics. You know what I mean? Like I, I guess that's just my feeling about the game. But on a on a gameplay, the game is uniquely good at strategy. It won the award in 2017. Completely deserving for in a strategy sim maker. But I just think like. This game absolutely would be a Mario classic if it didn't have the rabid component. Honestly, even without the online, I would say that's enough for me to put it in the Hall of Games if you're leaving the decision completely up to me. But because there's no online and because of the chaos and the immaturity that comes with the rabid mashup, the strategy just isn't enough for me to like push me over that line to say that it should be in the Hall of Games. So that's those are my final thoughts. But again, you know, you're the host. <laughs> so, you know... We've disagreed before. Jared. Man. I'm trying to sum up my thoughts here. Okay, so to think that a Nintendo product like Super Mario Bros. could be used to recreate the strategy and nuance of the XCOM franchise, which is the uh, combat alien franchise that I mentioned earlier. I just remembered the name. Uh, just a couple minutes ago, but XCOM is known for its in-depth, board-like game strategy, and to think that Ubisoft could take something that is a, a dumb premise, like Mario Bros. Rabbids, and do something so addicting, so interesting, so 
deep of a concept and, and execute it in a way that it is actually viable in Mario plus Rabbids is surprising, is impressive, and is great. I, I love Mario plus Rabbids. Um, hearing your response to some of the gripes that you have really makes me sad. <laughs> it makes me sad because I do see a game that, though it does have those, I think, inherent rabid flaws um, and inherent Nintendo flaws, like the online, um, it stands in a field of standard, basic, safe Nintendo games like Mario Odyssey. I mean, when I say safe, I guess I mean like it's it's within the keeping of tradition. They're not trying anything that's going to be outside of that. And this game really tried something. It really shot for the moon, certainly in its gameplay. And in that way, I mean, I I appreciate it. I love it. I I've had a really enjoyable time revisiting it here. But if we're not in tandem, then that means that this game does not make it into the Hall of Games. That's what I was going to ask you, Josh, because, I mean, you broke my heart with Moonlighter, but I had to do some (laughs) thinking about, uh, and if you didn't hear that podcast, I argue so heavily for that to be in the, you should go back and listen and see who you agree with there, Josh or myself. But the, I just, I don't sense greatness from this game outside of the gameplay. The gameplay is greatness incarnate. And had it been a typical Mario title and Nintendo had come up with the the XCOM and the strategy on their own, this would be a Mario classic. And then it would have been, you know, um, or at least it would have been Mario greatness. But but without the online play and then in addition to the Rabbids thing, I just feel like the game doesn't have much replayability, um, which is, Hmm. you know, crucial for some of these games. Um, You know... I don't know. I guess you could make the argument that if if Mario Odyssey is replayable, then this game is replayable. But I just felt like the story was average and the premise was kind of embarrassing. But <laughs> the gameplay, the gameplay and the dynamics there were so uniquely good that that's why we're even considering that. That's a testament to how good the gameplay yeah. is, is that we're even considering this. But I mean, if that's how you want to break it down, that because we can't agree, then it shouldn't go in. I actually think that's a pretty good rule for I, the Hall of Games. If one of us wasn't blown away, yeah, yeah, no, like if you if you took the Zelda series and gamified it in this way, and then just committed to that and didn't add any of the ridiculousness of Rabbids, maybe that game would make it into the Hall of Games. But Mario plus Rabbids, you have that negative effect of juvenility i don't know what the word is but like the juvenile aspect of the rabbits that does kind of draw it back and kind of make people go ugh, you know like your girlfriend even my wife like we were playing the co-op and she was like the rabbits are kind of gross like she liked rabid luigi she thought he was kind of cute because he has like the weird long sleeve and he's like very rambunctious and trying to have a good time but then like rabid mario is like way too overcompetent and kind of gross and has like the toothpick in his mouth. And so like there's a level that it goes over the top that just people aren't going to connect with. And because of that, maybe it isn't such a universal game as I'd like it to be, as I hoped that it would be based on its gameplay. Um, and so because of that, um, I think it just, it doesn't make it into the hall of games this time. I think 
had Ubisoft come along and pitched the strategy battle maker thing that they had going on for them to Nintendo and said, we want to keep this entirely in the Nintendo verse. We just want you to mention Nintendo in tandem with Ubisoft creates Mario strategy battle thing, whatever else. Mario is entire, you know, Nintendo's responsible for the story. Ubisoft is responsible for the battles. You're talking about a legendary product. Yeah. But I think just because of the the infusion of the Rabbids situation, you just have lackluster components of this game. And again, a testament to how solid a company Ubisoft is. Truly, just cranking out these solid battle-based games with so much thought and depth and strategy. And it fits so cohesively in the Mario world. I just... Other than that, I just don't see this game having greatness. But you know, I agree. Especially, it's an excellent game. It's it's worth the price. Absolutely worth the price you pay for. Worth the price, especially when it's on sale. And this game goes on sale Mm -hmm. a lot. So like, if it's that fifteen bucks, pick the sucker up. You will have a good time. Mm -hmm. Um, But nonetheless, I I am sad to say that we are going to pass on Mario Plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle this time. It does not make it into the Hall of Games. It's a weird pass because I feel like we can't recommend it enough. <laughs> right. But, yeah. It's, it is a weird but, pass. I agree with that. Yeah. But the Hall of Games is hallowed ground. <laughs> it <very> is. <laughs> <laughs> careful. Um, to wrap up the podcast, final notes. Be sure to tell a friend about the podcast. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Check out our past episodes for more backlog in-depth conversations. Fire Emblem. Um, Immortals Phoenix Rising were both mentioned in this podcast. Be sure to check those out. Otherwise, thank you for taking the time to listen. Now, Jared, I do have one final question I just thought of. Did you think that there was no rabid charm throughout this whole game? Like, there was nothing about the rabid side of things that's charmed you at all? I guess when you're on the battlefield and you're in the story and the only thing you hear constantly is, I guess no. The answer is no. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just constant yelling and screaming and yeah. toilet humor. And just constantly. Yeah, whenever you boot up the game, it goes like, it has like, bum, ba bum bum ba bum And it shows like, Pinch's Peach's Castle, and it's swirling around. Then it goes, and it shows like all the rabbits <laughs> jumping around. And you're like, oh, what in the world is this game? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so like. Yeah, it's that weird juxtaposition. I would say, like, as far as charm is concerned, there is minor moments. Like, when... like yes. I liked Rabid Peach's character for how annoying of a Karen she was. Like, <laughs> she would, like, take photos. And even they even build that into the, the story with the DLC, where, like, Rabid yeah. Donkey Kong is, like, terrified of Rabid Peach because of how nonchalant she took his demise. And was like taking photos of everything. Like there's some goofy moments here and there, um, but in any case, um, rabid humor is certainly not for everyone. So, and it, for this episode, the epi- the 18th episode of our podcast, um, thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you agree with our decision. And if you don't, tell us why. Askvgb at gmail.com. Until then. This is the Video Game Bard alongside his casual companion. And don't forget to kiss your personal rabid. See you guys next time.